Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. Before we get into our talk today, uh, I want to say thanks to the questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Dale H., Peter S., QZGo123, and Matt W. We are talking today with Nico Kakaos, President, CEO, and Director of Blue Sky Uranium, an Argentina-focused uranium explorer. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under symbol BSK and also on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol BKUCF. Nico, thanks for coming on. Andrew, thank you for having me. A pleasure to be here. So, Nico, give us your, give the audience your background before you joined the uh, Grosso Group, and then also tell us why you came to join the group and then lead Blue Sky. Well, uh, joined the Grosso Group about 26 years ago, uh, and other than Joel Grosso and my and I, we were the only ones <laughs> members of that group. Uh, we basically I've been I've been here since the group has been founded. And the 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 reason for joining the Grosso Group and 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 for forming it uh, has been uh, really to uh, to focus on Argentina. Argentina back in the early 90s, um, prior to the early 90s, I should say, was uh, completely uh, out of the mining industry. There had been no systematic mining in there at all. All the mining properties w- were originally owned uh, state owned by the government. And in late 92, 93, the government decided to um, uh, invite uh, foreign investment to the government. And one of the industries that was being privatized and allowing for foreign investors was uh, mining. And uh, it was at that time, it didn't take much. You know, Joe Grosso went down there in Argentina and I stayed here in, uh, in Vancouver running the head office. And uh, basically, it wasn't really difficult to see the opportunity where you've got the a country the size of Argentina, which is the seventh largest country in the world, virtually unexplored and completely on the other side of the border and surrounding it, you've got Chile and Bolivia, where some of the world's largest gold and copper mines are being formed, and they run up right up against the border. So the opportunity was glaring that, you know, there's a lot of low fruit here to be picked. And uh, there's some, you know, it was one of the world's truly last frontiers for exploration. And uh, we formed a Grosso Group, put a study together, focused on areas that we knew that would yield discoveries. And to date, I'm proud to say that, you know, companies under the Grosso Group management have made uh, four world-class discoveries. We have discovered the Guacamayo Mine, which was uh, put into production and run by Yamana and just recently sold off. Um, we discovered uh, Navidad Silver Deposit in southern Argentina, which is still ranks as the world's largest undeveloped silver deposit. And re- more recently up in northern Argentina, uh, the Chinchilla Silver Mine, which we just put into production uh, a couple of months ago together with SSR Mining. And, uh, of course, the latest uh, discovery we have is uh, the Amarillo Grande uranium deposit in uh, southern Argentina, and that's the, that's the deposit that Blue Sky is developing right now. 
So, so you name a lot of a lot of successes. Has there been any times uh, with the group that there's been some success? Uh, you know, some some actually some difficulties and maybe even failures uh, with with regards to maybe cycle timing or other types of issues that might have might have come up. Is there any any things that maybe didn't go so well? Well, exploration is exploration. It's high risk business. It's it's no different than R and D. You chase uh, a project. You uh, initially, you know, you, you explore it, or you look at some interesting results from the surface, you do some magnetic work, some, some geophysical work, they don't always turn out. And, uh, the, you know, the odds actually of making a success uh, are like one in a thousand projects that you review uh, are likely to be turned into successes. But that being said, there are many very capable, reputable companies out there that never make a discovery. Um, and to have made four under our management, I think, speak, speaks number one, of course, for the great opportunities that Argentina offers. And uh, secondly, of course, speaks for our excellent uh, technical team. Right. And so in the in the Grosso group, you have three companies. What are the advantages of having everything kind of under the same umbrella in this in this type of structure? Well, we have the three companies. They focus on different commodities and 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 each of these commodities are attractive to different investors so they're 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 packaged that way because that's the way that they they they're best presented the grossa group what it provides it's it's a non-profit group we don't make any money it's just a cost sharing structure so it allows us to hire a higher tier either geologist or um, a chief cfo or a compliance officer that um can be whose cost then can be shared amongst the three companies according to the usage that the um, how much they use the the services of of these people so everybody keeps track of their time how they spend it on which company and uh, then the accountants uh, apportion the expenses accordingly so it gives the grosser group gives each of the these junior companies a, a, a backbone of uh, that could be provided like by only a larger uh, more structured uh, company, but also then each company is run accordingly to its uh, needs. So it, the, co the companies still remain agile and able to react to opportunities as they come around. Right. Now that arrangement, I can see the efficiencies and it sounds it sounds quite similar to the setup uh, with Hunter Dickinson HDI. Uh, so I, I think that there are some interesting uh, similarities there and I think it makes sense for no, what you guys are doing. We're, yeah. You know, we're, it's not unique what we're doing. And so tell us about Blue Sky in terms of management expertise. Uh, tell us about the capital structure, insider ownership, and tell us, of course, about, uh, you mentioned before, the, the company main assets. Well, I'll start with the company's main assets are uh, uh, are the Amarillo Grande project. We, we just recently, just less than a year ago, published our first uh, resource there of 19 million pounds of uh, uranium and just over 10 million pounds of vanadium. And this project occurs in southern Argentina in a land package that's over 250,000 hectares. So the strike length along this area is 145 kilometers long. And we're focused in a one kilometer by one kilometer area in the very southern portion of it. And we've seen uranium mineralization that goes along the entire strike length. So what we feel we've uncovered here is a brand new uranium vanadium district. This is something that's attracting international attention already. 
um, the size of the deposit is already one of the largest in uh, is the largest in uh, Argentina and uh, right now what we're doing is we're working on uh, a PEA to demonstrate the economic uh, viability of this project we were because we want to be able to, to say that you know this project can make money in, in today's environment let alone in the upcoming uh, rising uranium market and uh, there's potential to expand this. This has potential to become one of the largest and lowest cost uh, uranium vanadium mines in the world. So it's an exceptional opportunity. Uh, management has been a big believer in, in this project. Um, we, uh, in, in fact, uh, in the last few years since the Fukushima crisis, the, uranium, the whole uranium market, while it's been depressed, uh, it's that was the time that we invested management invested their own money to keep the project alive and moving it forward and expanding it and uh, we've had uh, so to answer one of those questions uh, management probably management and close friends and associates here control between 55 and 60 percent of the company's uh, stock in terms of uh, some of the experts we have we have some of the best experts working on uh, uh, uranium experts working on Blue Sky. Team leader is uh, our VP of Exploration, Guillermo Pensado. Uh, just recently, a few months ago, he was awarded an industry award in uh, Argentina for being the number one exploration geologist. He has over 25 years of experience working uranium. He's worked with Cameco, so he's an exceptional person and really a key person helping us to build, to, to develop the Amarillo Grande. Also, we have some excellent uh, technical advisors. We're working with the Saskatchewan Research Council. Uh, we're working with uh, Chuck Edwards as our tech, chief technical advisor for processing. He's probably the number one person in the world for providing uh, advice uh, on how to process uranium and so forth. So, and of course, I you know I'd be remiss if I left out uh, Dr. David Terry, who's uh, been a director and with the company since inception, and uh, has been excellent at being able to help guide us through discovery and now into the economic study uh, parts of uh, of this uh, project. Well, I appreciate the information on that, and I want to get in more into Argentina in a moment, but before we get to that, I want to talk just a little bit more details on the administrative side. Um, what is your approach to compensation of the management team? Uh, tell us how company management is aligning themselves with that of the shareholders. Well, company, if you if you if all you need to do is uh, pick up one of the quarterly reports that we publish and post onto our uh, website, and you can see that you know, management takes a very nominal sum, a very small sum of money. Management is really uh, aligned themselves they, by owning shares in the company, and uh, that's the way we view is getting our reward. Like Joe Grosso, the chairman and the direct chairman of the company, is probably the largest shareholder of the company. I myself am uh, one of the larger shareholders of the company. David Terry, another director. So we put our money where our mouth is. So if we uh, find a success, we'll, we're, and we're hoping that we will, we're going to be uh, properly rewarded. And if there's no success, well, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Nico, on the budgeting side, uh, how much do you figure of your guys' total capital in any given year? How much do you allocate towards advancing the project, exploration-type work versus uh, maybe GNAA cost? What would you say in terms of percentage? I'd say about 80% of the money that we raise goes into exploration. Okay, perfect. So moving on, I want to talk about Argentina. Uh, why do yeah. you like Argentina so much as a mining destination? 
Argentina, well, like I stated earlier in my, in, in, in my discussion there, Argentina is a, is a great country because it's vastly underexplored. underexplored. There's a lot of uh, exceptional uh, areas that I've never seen uh, systematic uh, uh, advanced exploration. So there's a lot of easily identifiable uh, mineralizations and deposits and discoveries that can be made there. And um, second of all, Argentina is a relatively, it's, you know, it's a very safe place in which to do business. Right now with the current government, it's a very attractive. The, the government is very much pro-business, uh, providing all kinds of in, well, encouragement and incentives for companies to come and invest in Argentina. Thirdly, in, with respect to um, uranium, Argentina is an exceptional place because the country is looking to further, it's a uranium uh, jurisdiction. They have uh, currently three nuclear power plants that are in operation. They have a uh, research reactors, particle accelerators, atomic centers, and uh, they're looking to expand uh, the amount of uh, energy that they produce by renewables and especially by uranium because they have this commitment to the Paris Accord and they wish to reduce their uh, reliance on fossil fuels. So the power the the power plants the nuclear power plants that they currently uh have on in operation now import all their uranium they buy it from i believe canada and kazakhstan and uh they're very keen to develop a domestic source of, of uranium so that for security reasons and they would of course pay uh international prices for that and we're gearing up to be the first uh, domestic source of uh uranium supply for uh for argentina Okay. Well, so there's there's obviously some import there to fuel those plants that had occurred in the past. And now with you guys and, uh, you know, maybe there's only a few others, uh, maybe one that I can think of off the top of my head that's that's in there. Would you guys be looking at give us give us kind of what's going on in terms of in the government? What's what's up with the uranium mining export? Is there any consideration for that or would all the mining supply be designated for domestic? No, it wouldn't, um, because you know, if if we were to put a, a project like ours into uh, production, um, you know, currently Argentina imports about half a million pounds a year. Um, the balance of that would be would be used for uh, for international export. We would supply Argentina for what it needs, and then the balance, of course, we would provide uh, on the international market. So is there already a framework in place for export uh, as far as, you know, transportation from the mine and, and onto a boat and so forth? Does the government already have those policies in place? The policies are not in place because there is no nuclear uranium production right now in Argentina. And that's something we'd be working very closely with both the federal and provincial governments put into production. But uh, in, the, in the province where we're active, there's exceptional infrastructure in that area. There is transportation facilities available. We're only, we're only like 50 kilometers away from a, from a port. There's skilled labor, there's power, there's, uh, it's a very mining friendly area. And the province on top of that has its own clear uh, research reactor manufacturing base. So they actually build and export these small uh, portable uh, nuclear reactors uh, worldwide. Right, and I understand there's also an enrichment facility that was, uh, I think, commissioned in 2015. Um, yes. T tell us, tell us a bit about the permit lead times there. How, how is the government with permitting on on a uranium project? I mean, given given they don't have a lot of experience with it, do you feel the lead times would be similar to other mining projects? I believe the lead times would be very similar to other projects. Uh, we would be working again uh, very very closely with the government. 
they know who we are. We have a long track record in Argentina, uh, you know, being managed through the Grosso Group. Joe Grosso and the Grosso Group have been received many awards in Argentina for being mining pioneers. Uh, mining Man of the Year was Joe Grosso a, c- a couple of years back. So our name and, and our reputation in Argentina is such that the government would very willingly collaborate with us. We're already in discussions with the government. You know that that this is a getting properly licensed and permitted to go forward is something that I think they're going to assist us and walk us through. So I don't I don't foresee any hurdles. Okay. I think it's a breath of fresh air a little bit because you just don't have in Argentina yet, you don't have the red tape that you might see in like a U.S. or a Canada. No, no, definitely not. And, and you know, like our experience with other mining projects in Argentina, you know, when, especially since the last quarter century when we started there, there was no mining experience. And we worked with the government and helped them develop their mining code and, and their permitting process. And we've never, ever had a mining permit been turned down always been granted to us on time as when we expected it. And like I say, you know, we work carefully, we work honestly and uh, with humility and uh, the, the government is very eager to to move things along. And I think they see this great opportunity in being able to have uh, uranium, uh, not just domestic supply. I think they see the, be- the merits having a domestic supply being exported for the international market. Right. And I think President Macri, I think, is in favor of of, uh, he's pretty pro mining from what I've seen here. Uh, So that's a good that's a good key uh, force to have behind you as well. What about what about national ownership, royalties and taxes? What's what's kind of how does Argentina approach that? Well, I'm not sure how that works with the uranium. It's something that we're looking into that to, just to make sure that there's no um, there's no mu- there's no much different than from when other commodities like gold, silver, or other base metals. But uh, there is a a royalty that goes to the provincial government. That's basically it, and we pay okay. our taxes and 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 our you know just the regular taxes and value added taxes, whatever there is. But there's nothing exceptional there. Okay. Well, yeah, sounds pretty straightforward. So, mm-hmm. so you already uh, you already kind of mentioned export. Obviously, with the with the supply potential there, and and I know we'll, we'll get into the some of the other stuff, the status of the project here in a moment. But the company is the company looking to seek first uh, domestic suppliers before they go after foreign you know foreign clients as far as you know supplying uranium. In, in in the uranium market, it's not you know you look to see where you can make a deal, and you, and we know we have uh, a willing relatively large buyer in with Argentina within Argentina so that would be one type of contract and then of course we would you know we would look at making contracts with other uh, nuclear reactors around the world that uh, have a requirement uh, for a long-term supply so what are your thoughts on the recent cooperation with Argentina and Russia regarding further nuclear development in the country, you know, new reactors and enrichment capability and even mining? Uh, what's your thoughts on, on the recent news on that? Well, Argentina is a, is a country, again, that's been quite, uh, that has a lot of opportunities. And uh, it's not just the Russians that are to be involved there. We've seen that there's a lot of Chinese groups that come down there. There's groups from India that come there, groups from Germany. Um, we've worked with uh, Arriva in the past, so we've seen large groups coming out from France and Europe. There's just a lot of potential, I think, uh, in Argentina for development. 
And, you know, I'm not sure about political reasons for, you know, Russia and Argentina having to team up, but, uh, and that's not uh, something that I want to comment on because that's not my expertise. But I think a lot of it has to do with the exceptional potential that Argentina has in terms of mining and uranium potential. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add a bit on that. I, I think that, that Russia, Russia certainly has a motivation uh, to become, you know, kind of the one-stop shop, you know, come, come and come and we'll offer you our technology, our enrichment, our, our complete nuclear fuel package, even we'll give you yep. financing too. And, and so I think Russia has really stood out beyond the United States and beyond China uh, globally uh, going out, going after, you know, providing uh, energy solutions. And uh, I think yep. with that, Russia, obviously, it's obvious that there's leverage uh, behind that. And uh, so I, I think it's interesting. And, and uh, I think nonetheless, I think foreign investment into these types of things is, is positive. Um, so I think that's good overall. So the ore grades in Argentina are similar to West Africa, maybe a country like Namibia. Give us the similarities yep. and differences as well as your thoughts on cost. Do you see something like the Ivana deposit representing total costs less than what you'd see in a place like Namibia? It would be very similar, perhaps a little better. Uh, another good deposit I like to compare it to is the Inkai deposit in Kazakhstan. And the reason I think it would be better than these other places is that, you know, the Ivana deposit occurs near, very, very near or at surface. There's no blasting involved. It's all unconsolidated. You just kind of, it's like a, just hard packed gravel. So you can just scoop it up. Then with a, a beneficiation process, which involves just a little scrubbing uh, and, and then some leaching, uh, we can, you know, increase the grade and, and be able to extract both the uranium and vanadium at, you know, preliminary studies have shown that we can do that at a, at a, at a very low cost. And I think with the PEA that you do to come out in the next week or so, uh, I think we'll be able to demonstrate uh, some very specifics with respect to that. Okay, so Nico, with the with the vanadium credits, given given some vanadium credits there and the potential of the of the operational setup that you might have, can you give us a rough ballpark of all in costs? I haven't seen the, even a draft of the of the PEA report, so I, I'm I'm completely guessing. Uh, you know, I'm looking to see us being comparable to like uh, some of these other deposits, like I described, like Inkai, with you know, under $15 a pound. That's what our uh, that's what our goal is. So we'll see what the actual numbers come in at in the next uh, week or so. Okay, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that comes in at, and, and also what what uh, what what you guys estimate for all-in sustaining costs, total total cost on that. Yeah. So with with that. Uh, you mentioned some some upgrade process. I know there's there's a couple of different technologies out there, but give us give us an example of what you guys are going to go after when you guys look at the upgrade process. Uh, what are you looking at as far as are you looking at another technology, or are you doing something in house? No, the upgrade process is it's it's real real simple. You basically scoop up the material and put it into a sieve. You you know you scrub the because the pebbles, the large pebbles in there don't contain any mineralization. So by just doing a wet scrubbing and then putting it through a sieve and removing all the large material, uh, we've we found from some preliminary metallurgy that we've done, we've been able to increase 300 and 400 percent the grades for both uranium and vanadium. You guys are going to uh, wash and screen the material, and that's pretty much your upgrade. That's fantastic. Yes. 
<laughs> it doesn't get no, simpler. I, I, even I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. No, that's that's great. Bring in a, a screen plant, and uh, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And you mentioned the digging; it seems to be pretty easy. And, and obviously, it's 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 pretty clear that the uh, the material there. Uh, what are the depths for that for the main part of the deposit? What, what kind of depths are you guys looking at? Well, the the main part of the deposit at Ivana it starts basically you know from surface, and uh, it, you know we we can it goes down to like you know five to ten meters, and then and that's where we have like a, the surficial uranium and vanadium. And then the model then indicates that below that, up to about 40 meters below that, there there is also some sandstone-hosted uranium. And we've seen these geological formations occur through this entire district that we completely own, which, is like, again, I reiterate, is 145 kilometers in strike length by 50-kilometer width. So this is a very large area, and we're the only ones there. So what kind of resource are you guys looking to delineate uh, before moving forward through PEA, pre-feasibility, and so forth? Uh, give us a target in terms of million pounds. Are you guys going to go with what you guys have now, or are you looking to build that up a little bit before you go after the, the final uh, economics? No, we're gonna, we'll have the PEA out, which will demonstrate our you know the economics for where we are now. But since the last resource, I know we've been able to step out drilling, you know, around the deposit area just a, a couple of kilometers away. And, and we're finding that this, this deposit is already is bigger than what we've already stated. So it's not very expensive to do uh, step out work there. So I think we're going to continue to expand it. Uh, we're going to continue to grow it before we put this into production, although uh, I expect that the the PA will indicate that it, it'll be economic now, but I think it would be better if we had more material. And our target for this district, it's got potential to hold to host, you know, upwards of 100 million pounds of uranium. Yeah, I think scale is important, and uh, I think you guys are working towards that quite well. And and uh, be interesting to see what comes out of it. So, what is the ultimate goal of the company? Is the priority to build and produce? Or is it to just advance assets and, and hope of a buyout? You know, as our as as our, our skill set goes, we are explorers, and as explorers, we can find more, and develop it. You know, define it, and we know we can take it right up to pre-feasibility and feasibility study. Going actually into production, sure, we could bring in the right people to help us go forward. But I, I think at that point, we'd probably be looking at finding somebody who's got a lot more experience than we do and uh, either partner up or sell it or just just see what what the best uh, arrangement is that benefits the company and shareholders in the most beneficial way. Okay. So, Nico, give us your thoughts on the timeline given the assumption that the project is economical and can move forward. When will a PEA be ready? What time do you need to get pre- and definitive feasibilities? How long to permit, find the funding, Build and commission. What do you think, time frame wise? We talking 2023 before 2024? It'll be before that. Um, we'll have the PA in the next uh, week or so to get to a feasibility study. We could probably have that done in uh, 10 to 12 months, and probably about a year to get the permit. So you and I both know the the pricing and contract model for vanadium is currently different to that of uranium. What is the strategy of the company to monetize the vanadium assets? And are you in discussions with clients already on this? We've been approached by a number of uh, different clients already, and we're having discussions uh, with respect to the vanadium. 
I think right now uh, our, our basic response has been, look, it's still early days for us. Uh, we want to get a better handle on the amount of, uh, you know, uranium and vanadium that is in the project before we can get into any definitive, you know, discussions regarding how, how to monetize that. You know, and, and with that being said, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the Ivana deposit because that's where our initial deposit is. But there are other targets where, like at the Anit target, where the vanadium is the predominant uh, mineral. So that we're seeing four or five t- pounds of vanadium for every pound of uranium. So there's still a lot of work to be done here. And I think it can be accomplished in a relatively uh, short time frame. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like the the, the grades there, and, and you mentioned similar, very similar in terms of the vanadium versus uranium in the Colorado plateau is quite quite similar type of setup. The amount of vanadium yes. that's, that's hosted with the uranium. So, is there any any discussions yet about uh, uranium offtake partners? Is the company looking at that? I, I know we've seen some other early stage deals come out re- with regards to offtake well in advance to any even development. Uh, is there any thoughts on that or are you guys still looking at that? I'm, I'm reluctant to, to do anything too early because I think it, um, it, it caps uh, some of the upside of the company. We're, we're in right now what's an emerging uranium market. We've had a very interesting vanadium market to date and uh, I think vanadium prices are gonna stay elevated for some time longer. With that, you know, it would be interesting to see in a year from now, that if you've got a much higher, uh, better uranium market, I wouldn't want to have done a deal for an offtake in, in, in this environment and lose out later. So I think in the meantime, you know, we're, we're happy to continue to, to fund the company uh, to expand the deposit and then bet on a, uh, on a, on a better market in the future and then, and then sit down and do a deal. Well, well stated, and I think that uh, you know, I, I think that you certainly need to leave plenty of upside uh, for future contracts, and, and uh, you know, it might only make sense for maybe for financing reasons to do some small deals, but uh, you know, as things advance, I think you guys will probably have some some news in that respect. So, what do you plan to accomplish in 2019, and what can investors be on the lookout for at this point? I think 2019, the the, the real pivot is going to be. Uh, our PEA. Um, I'd love to be able to stand up and, and wave this thing in my hand and say, look, this this is uh, not just economic, but it can make some substantial amount of money in this market today and watch us grow this. And I, I think in a, in a matter of six to eight months, we, we would be able to define a, a number of more resources because we have a number of targets that are just sitting on at surface and we know all we need to do is drill them out and continue to add to build our, our deposit size and then announce, get into doing a, um, a, fees, a pre-feasibility study. Okay. So let's talk cash for a moment. So what do you need for capital in 2019? Does the company seek to raise capital and how much might it be looking for? No, we will be seeking to raise capital. Uh, I think uh, an initial budget, you know, to accomplish our exploration objectives for growing the, the deposit, probably be on the order of around three million dollars, and uh, and then when we get to the point where we want to embark on a pre-feasibility or a feasibility study, that's going to be a, a different ballpark. But you know, we'll we'll be raising money in a new environment at that time. Okay, so you have another direct competitor in Argentina, uh, a smaller U3 OA Corp. What is 
yeah. Blue Sky. Why is Blue Sky superior, and and why might you like U three hundred eight? Give us give us kind of the thoughts on the on on the two companies, and and why you think Blue Sky is better. Well, U three hundred eight is a great company. Uh, they're great individuals, but uh, there are all their mine all their uh, deposits are in uh, the neighboring province there of Chubut, and I think there's a political problem in Argentina right now because I know we have projects in Chubut as well, and that in that. Chubut is an anti-mining province right now, so I think it's very difficult to embark on on developing anything there because the province is just going to say no. And just like we have a number of projects there that we have not been able to to move forward there, um, you just don't get the permits to go on. Whereas in Rio Negro, the province just to the north of that, it's a very very mining friendly province. We're seeing a lot of support from them. And uh, the second thing that differentiates uh, our project is uh, the size. You know, our 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 43101 uh, resource is about four or five times as big, and uh, and all and our metallurgy looks uh, to be a little bit better. So just the way things have occurred. So Nico, out, outside of Argentina, uh, are there other uranium businesses that you think are interesting at this point? There are uh, outside of Argentina, but our focus is in Argentina. Our, all our contact bases are there. Um, the, our company, you know, while we have a, an administrative uh, staffing through the Grosser Group here in, in Vancouver, uh, we have an office in Argentina where we have lots of local experts that are, you know, well tied into the industry, to the government, to the communities. So uh, I, I think at this point, if we were to look uh, different jurisdictions would be diluting our focus unless of course it was such a glaring opportunity that it would be worthwhile to invest in and, and develop a similar infrastructure there but that's a that's a big undertaking and I think at this point we're going to stay to look focused in Argentina. So out, outside of Blue Sky is there any other businesses in the industry that you might like or that you like at this point you want to mention? Um, outside of Blue Sky, there's a tremendous, uh, well, tremendous, you know, we have a, a sister company called Golden Arrow, and uh, they have just recently put into production a uh, one of the largest primary silver mines in the world uh, with SSR mining, and it, it achieved commercial production just a couple of months ago, and uh, that is a company with it also having an exceptional portfolio of projects in uh, Argentina and just over the border in Chile, very close to Argentina. So there's some tremendous upside there, and we're seeing a, a comeback here in the gold and silver markets as well in the last month or so. So I think that's a, another exceptional company to watch. Okay. And how about outside, you know, globally, maybe U.S., Canada, Africa? Is there any uranium companies that you think are interesting uh, at this point? There are some companies that are interesting, but, you know, we're operations in, uh, in in some countries in Africa can be dicey, can be dangerous, like in Niger and uh, some other countries where I, I think at this point, I think Argentina in, in Blue Sky, uh, Argentina is just a safe place to be. And uh, just a lot of there's it's like a big playground for us that, that, that there's lots to do there. Uh, I'm not aware uh, there are other, I'm sure there are other uh, places in the world that are just as good, but early stage Argentina is a great place to, to make discovery and to develop it and to make more. What are your thoughts in Canada on the Athabasca Basin and the and the surrounding of companies there and, and the various deposits? What, what are your thoughts on, on that region and, and uh, the work going on there? Big, big deposits, uh, you know, the exceptional grades. 
but the stuff is buried, uh, you know, sometimes kilometers deep uh, underground in frozen hard rock, expensive to extract. We need much, much higher uranium prices to make those areas, you know, economic. I think, you know, big opportunities that Canada and the, and, uh, the United States have really dropped is fostering uh, a uranium and nuclear industries. I, I think they, we've fallen behind uh, in the world. And there are other countries, like you said, like Russia and Korea, that, that have done a much better job in developing, you know, nuclear power as an alternate and safe and secure source of power and carbon free for that matter. So it's a shame to see, but who knows, maybe things were, will change uh, as we go forward. So looking big picture in your mind, what is the biggest hurdle for uranium and the price to start pushing higher? I think the price has already started pushing higher. Uh, for what, I think the biggest hurdle for uranium is perception. It's it's a perception that it's an unsafe industry for nuclear reactors, and I think that that's unfortunate. You know, I, I, an example I like to use is if the discovery of electricity was first associated with uh, the electric chair, I think most people wouldn't want to have electricity in their home because everybody would be scared of it. And uh, once you overcome that fear, I think, you know, and, and you look at the hard data and you can see that with nuclear reactors around the world, there's never been a death. There's never been any, well, anybody killed from uh, radiation because of a nuclear leak. But, you know, you, you look at the, the, the fossil fuel industry and the pollution and the number of people who die from premature, you know, getting lung cancers and smoke inhalation and that, it's in the order of hundreds of thousands, if not millions. It's just a perception out there that nuclear power is unsafe. Um, I think as that begins to turn, and it, we're seeing that happening, especially in a lot of uh, emerging uh, countries like Argentina and some African countries and countries in the in the Gulf Coast, uh, in the Arabian Peninsula there. And uh, as that happens, I, I think we here in Canada and the United States begin to appreciate that. I think that's going to be a real uh, game changer for uranium. Well, I certainly think that right now, given the, the temperatures that are going on in the U.S. and Canada, I think that people can appreciate the fact that the, the nuclear plants continue to produce baseload power, whereas some of these other things like wind and so forth are quite challenged. Even if you had wind, the cold the cold seems to be taking their toll. And uh, let's not count how many people have, have fallen off roofs installing solar panels or died, died trying to install these these large massive projects or wind turbine projects. It's, it's quite... Uh, quite different if you look at the statistics. So, uh, Nico, why should investors be taking a stake in Blue Sky today? What would you say to potential investors about Blue Sky at this point? Blue Sky is, is offers a, it's, it's like owning a, a, I guess, better than owning a lottery ticket because the odds are much better. But Blue Sky has the potential to return, you know, as this uh, uranium market begins to come back over the next, uh, over this year and the next uh, year. And as Blue Sky is well positioned right now with having a defined brand new uh, uranium discovery that, you know, not fully well known out there in the world. And as it becomes to be well known and we grow it, I think the potential for returns on owning Blue Sky stock can be multiple fold. So just to, from from that point of view, I think if somebody looking to, to buy something that has the potential for a real win, I think Blue Sky definitely has that potential. Okay. And how can investors reach out uh, to the company for more information? 
they can uh, contact us on our website, uh, blueskyuranium.com. Uh, we can be reached. Uh, there's our phone numbers are there. You can uh, it can be dialed at one six zero four six eight seven one eight two eight. Ask for myself or uh, our investor relations uh, person, Sean Perger. We're, we're, uh, we'd be happy to talk to everybody that has questions or comments, uh, whether positive or negative. We're, we're always here to take that. Well, Nico, thanks for the discussion on Blue Sky and good luck. Thank you very much. A pleasure talking to you.